Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Angst, the YA book podcast where we get drunk and talk about YA books. Woo-hoo. We don't get drunk, we get like tipsy. I don't think we've ever fully gotten drunk. We've gotten close to it. Uh... Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Remember that one episode where I had like three glasses of wine? Oh my god, I forgot about that. <laughs> I take that back. <laughs> where I have never gotten drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and let me specify and Chantel just got really loud in one particular episode <laughs> you went on so many tangents too which you probably cut out but <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I could definitely tell which episode that was when I was editing it. yeah <laughs> but sometimes you just need three glasses of wine you know this is true I also just got a giant order of wine in the mail <laughs> So, oh, oh my god. Here we go. Not what I'm drinking tonight, but that doesn't matter yet. Julia, what are you drinking tonight? How are you doing? <laughs> I am doing well. I'm on vacation mode. So I'm like sleepy even though I haven't done anything except play ping pong and Uno with my parents today. <laughs> I um, miss that so much. <laughs> I'm sorry. We miss you. <laughs> Um, but I'm having a gin and Coca-Cola because that is, I don't know, it's just, I don't know. I had a wine earlier. I will say that I had a Sauvignon Blanc from Australia, no, New Zealand, um, mm. earlier. And now I'm having yeah. this. Nice. Yeah. Gin and Coke <laughs> is my favorite well cocktail, so I support you. I think it's great. It's, like, trusty. It tastes it good. You know, you can always rely on it. You can. <laughs> Even if it's crappy gin, it still works. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, what have I been up to? I watched, I binged, I should say that, Shadow and Bone the other Same. day, which was super exciting because I do not usually binge shows. Um, ignored everyone in my uh, text messages because I was watching it, except for people who were actively watching, like you. Shadow I was going to say, yeah, you and I were messaging a ton. I, yeah. I like, oh my God. Yeah, I, I don't even know what to say. I was blown away by that show. I'm so excited. I'm waiting. I feel like they're not going to get to the storyline that I really care about until, like, season four. So it's going to be a wild ride. But anyway, um, that was my entire week. I had some school stuff, but nothing super, like, I've been pretty relaxed, I guess you could say. That's um, nice. Get, yeah. How about you? What are you up to? What are you drinking? So I'm drinking a cider tonight, a strawberry rhubarb cider from Embark Craft Cider Works, which is uh, in New York, actually. So I'm drinking a New York cider from Williamson. Um, But I'm good. My, My work, you know, the crazy work project that I've been working on for like four months straight, all of our reports went out on Friday. Congratulations. How does it feel? <laughs> oh my god, it felt so good. We were all like celebrating over chat Friday afternoon as the reports were going out. There's still some cleanup that we have to do um, and then a lot of other upcoming sort of like projects, initiatives, random crap that I need to prep for this week before my next project like formally kicks off on uh, Monday, which I will be leading. So that'll be a fun, terrifying adventure uh but it's good the staff that i have is amazing so i'm i'm really excited to to get started on that um and 
yeah, just kind of cruising through till the end of the semester, starting to start think about summer vacation plans and like where I want to go, what I want to do, who I want to come see, (coughs) cough, cough, you. Um, (laughs) And and just uh, getting ready for the summer because I will be in like a week or two fully vaccinated. So congratulations. Thank you. I'm so excited. Even though I know we're never going to hit herd immunity in this country because people are dumb, but at least I feel safe. doing pretty well. Yeah, we're doing pretty well as a country as a whole, like, getting everyone vaccinated. Better, at least, than the rest of the world, so. At least people, like, we. Not all all countries. Right, but at least we built up the infrastructure appropriately to, like, get people vaccinated. Um, My vaccination was, like, I think I might have talked about this last episode, but, like, it was literally a drive-through. It was so wild. So. It makes it so fast and easy. Yeah. Which I appreciate. Conveyor belt vaccinations. It works. Why not? You gotta do it. You just gotta do it. Nice and easy. Yep. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Ish. Easy. Maybe not nice. Getting pricked in the arm with a needle is not my favorite experience. The arm pain the day after, also not my favorite, but worth it. Yes. (laughs) I cannot wait until we are back to normal i feel like it's gonna happen sooner than we all feel like it's gonna happen i feel optimistic i hope so too i'm really excited for it um and who knows maybe once we get back to normal and we can go shopping without masks and just like go live our lives again um we'll see jude vivian oak and target (laughs) great transition i love that transition that's an a plus great right there yes incredible five stars on goodreads for this transition it's true though (laughs) it's you never know who you're gonna meet in the target oh god but before we get to target we have to figure out what's gonna who's gonna become the next how do they get to target how do they get to target who's gonna be the next king of elfame we have a lot of things that we need to talk about uh, so why don't you why don't you kick us off with chapter thirty, Julia? I will. Okay. So chapter thirty. After her fight with Maddox, Jude walks back to rejoin the dinner and goes straight to Billiken, telling him Maddox is delayed dealing with some of Dane's spies. In actuality, he's in Cardin's old room, and Jude thinks they have about an hour before he wakes up. Billiken tells her she's been more useful than he expected. He asks if Jude would like to live among the Fae or even be made a Fae. And Jude wonders if he can do that. This troubles her because she wants that, and she is also worried about everything that just happened and having to betray Maddox, knowing she could do it so easily because he never expected it. She also knows she needs to play the long game perfectly and not get caught up in those thoughts. These thoughts. She smiles at Vivi and looks around the room at Locke and Taryn, Orlock, Roybin, and the rest of the party. Locke comes up to her and tells her he's jealous to see her on Cardin's arm and that he still likes her. Ugh. Oh, God. Gross. Yeah. She contemplates punching him, same, and tells him to go away when she doesn't. He says he likes... But she doesn't do what she, what he expects, like dueling over him. Jude tells them she didn't. <laughs> and then Cardin comes up to tell her that he has had lots of dull conversations about his head on a spike. <laughs> Only Cardin would say that nonchalantly. <laughs> 
Cardin tries to bicker with her, and Jude is able to somewhat focus. She's feeling a bit off after talking to Locke, and he tells her that there's a bruise coming up on her jaw. Jude stands when Balakin stands, and all of a sudden, there's an explosion courtesy of the bomb. Then an arrow lands in front of Cardin, courtesy of the roach, and Balakin sends people to chase him. The roach sends another arrow towards Cardin, which misses again, obviously. <laughs> the ghost grabs the crown, but another arrow- sorry, but- Balakin throws himself on Cardin to protect him, which Jude sees as a reminder to Cardin of why not to go through with the plans as Balakin is still his family and the only family he has left. She knows Balakin would allow Cardin to continue being cruel as long as he was crueler, and putting the crown on Balakin's head is a safer bet for Cardin than trusting and helping Jude and Oak, so she's worried he will find a way around her commands. The ghost throws the crown, but to Terran and not Jude. They mis- he mistakes Goddamn twin them. antics. Taryn picks it up and looks at Jude, clearly betrayed. Jude tells her to give it to Vivi, and Cardin tries to get up. Balakin goes to Taryn, telling her to give him the crown or he will kill her. Roybin gets in the way and doesn't let Balakin pass, and the room is full of tension. <laughs> Orlok speaks first, saying Balakin should let Taryn pick who to give the crown to, and says it doesn't matter as neither Cardin nor Balakin will crown the other. This surprises Jude because she thought Orlok favored Balakin, and she's realizing she may not know where Orlok and Acacia's loyalties lie, if anywhere. Roybin comments that there has been an explosion, and he has misplaced the general, so his reign looks like chaos. Not incorrect. <laughs> Jude manages to get to Terran and grabs the crown, telling Terran she's doing the best she can. Locke is looking at her like her story just got so much more interesting. Still gagged. Terran <laughs> yeah. lets her grab the crown, and Vivi tries to get Oak as close as possible. Oriana's looking terrified, noticing Maddox isn't there. She tells Cardin the crown is for him, and he walks up. Balakin tells them to stop and draws his sword. Jude grabs for her sword as the ghost fl- lets an arrow fly. He pins his hand to the table with an iron arrow. Great aim. Yep. <laughs> Balakin tries to reason with Cardin, saying he knows Cardin would prefer Balakin do-, Balakin do the hard work while he gets to be free and to bring him the crown. Jude brings Oak to her and lets him hold the crown. Cardin looks at Balakin with his cruel stare and tells him he will not, if only just to spite him. Oak looks at Jude, trying to confirm he is doing okay. Jude tells Cardin to kneel to show Oak what to do, and Cardin notes that he will look like he was being crowned, but she makes him. So he kneels. Everyone questions who Oak is, and Cardin is questioning what is going on. Jude says he thinks they are still on the same side, but she doesn't want Oak and Oriana to be forced apart for years, and having Cardin's hatred is worth the decision she's going to make. (laughs) So she commands him not to move for a whole minute, and then Vivi tells Oak to do what they practiced, and Oak crowns Cardin king. Oak looks around, hoping someone will tell him he did a good job. This poor kid has no idea Cardin looks at Jude with pure rage and gets up after the minutes. Jude knows she deserves it because she lied to him and gave gave him false promises. She knows Oak will be king eventually, but it will be after seven years, after he has had time and Cardin can abdicate them. Roybin sinks to his knee and says, my king, and Jude thinks about what her promise to Roybin will cost. Everyone joins in to sink to their knees and acknowledges the new king, and Taryn looks at Jude with shock. Cardin tells everyone to raise a glass while Jude falls back, noting Cardin has been a prince his whole life and knows what to do. 
He charms and acts the part, but Jude knows his knuckles are turning white while gripping the wine glass. He turns to Jude and toasts her, saying she will give him a gift, one he plans to repay. <laughs> Bob, <laughs> the bong comes up to her, telling her they came up with her nickname, The Queen. And that is the end of chapter 30. This chapter was so chaotic. It was pure chaos. It was like chaos. absolute chaos. It, uh, did it make any sense? No. But you know what? Here we are. <laughs> We made it through. Okay. But before we talk about it, we have to go through the epilogue as well, Mm -hmm. um, which, as we alluded to earlier, starts in Target. Casually. So Jude, Oak, and Vivi are all in Target getting supplies, and Oak is very confused, but also excited because, you know, he's a child. He grabs a ton of candy, and they don't stop him. And then Jude notes that it's odd to see his horns glamoured away and just to watch him, like, enjoy himself. Jude thought it would be difficult to convince Oriana to let uh, let them take him to the mortal realm, but Oriana agreed it was the safest choice. Balakin is imprisoned, and Maddox awoke in a rage, and she just didn't want Oak around all of that. Heather um, is trying to confirm that he is actually Vivi's brother and not Vivi's son, and Vivi just laughs, saying that she has secrets, but that isn't one of them. Heather wasn't thrilled about her showing up with a kid, but is letting him stay on the couch until they get a bigger apartment after Vivi gets a job. And Jude knows that Vivi won't get conventional work, but that she'll be fine, even though she still hasn't told Heather the truth. Which it's like showing up with a kid and not telling the truth is mind-boggling to me, but that's neither here nor there. In the checkout line, Jude ponders the aftermath, how Oak was marveled over at the party, even though he was a little scared of everything. Um, Oriana had an, was having an unsure reaction of whether to be angry or grateful to Jude. Taryn just stood there clutching Locke. And uh, Nikasia gave Cardin a kiss on the cheek. Whatever that means. Jude knows that she must live with her choices, but is struggling with it a little bit. Uh, they go back to the apartment, and Heather teaches them how to make pizza. Oak asks if Oriana will visit, and Jude says, of course. She tells him to think of being with Vivi as an apprenticeship, and once he has learned what he needs, he can come back home. He asks her how he will know when it's time to come back home, and she says to come back when returning feels like the hard choice rather than the easy one. Interesting advice. She comes, uh, so she goes back to Fairy, heading to the palace. She has rooms there now and just has to hang up the clothes from Maddox's estate, plus her little Target haul that she just picked up. Uh, <laughs> the living... relatable thing ever. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> she's living there to keep Cardin close and to exert her power if needed and to work with the Court of Shadows. She hasn't really spoken to Cardin, though, since all of this happened. She left him with a few commands, and his clear hatred towards her kind of made her a coward and is making her stay away from him, but she goes to talk to him in the Great Hall where it's empty. Um, she spends she spends some time describing him, sounding horrified at how much he looks like a king, and she has an impulse to bend the knee and let him touch her head. I guess is that an impulse we all have, Julia? I don't know. <laughs> Debatable. 
She starts to reckon with what she has done by putting her enemy on the throne, knowing that his oath is not going to outweigh his cleverness. She tell He tells her the year will go by in a blink, asking what she will do then. She says she hopes she can persuade him to remain king until Oak comes back, and he notes that he may acquire a taste for ruling and not want to give it up, but she says she doesn't believe that that will happen, though, you know, to herself she notes it's a possibility. He tells her that he's not going to be a good king and that Jude made him a puppet, and so he will be a puppet, and she needs to rule and deal with everyone. He'll be the shield in front of people and kind of like the face that he needs to be, but he refuses to be useful. Uh, she was expecting a threat, but notes that this situation is kind of worse. Um, and he rises from the throne and tells her to sit in it with menace in his voice. And that is the end of the epilogue. It's the end of the first book. End of the first book. Now I just have to cry until I get to read the second one because I want to know what happens so bad. But that's for another podcast episode definitely so for sure chapter 30 julia what are your thoughts i okay this was so chaotic that i didn't actually have a lot of notes on this but i wanted to talk about like the like the theme of family i feel like it's really strong in here because we get to see I think Jude finally realizing like, oh, the like family bonds are a lot stronger than she expected. Yeah. Not with Taryn. It would be very nice <laughs> if they would kind of hash out their problems, but with Maddox, where she's feeling like, oh, maybe I actually did betray him. Like this doesn't actually feel as satisfying as I thought it would be to defeat him. Um, even though she did defeat him fair and square, it's not like she had an upper hand at all. She just went about it in a way that he wasn't expecting. Um and, of course, the fact that he just never expected her to duel him very seriously. Right. Um, but then we also see her questioning Balakin and Cardin's relationship, because there's a moment where she thinks, like, maybe she underestimated their family bond. Like, at the end of the day, even though Balakin has not treated Cardin well, they are brothers, and... For Cardin, like, Balakin is basically his only brother that's left. Like, there's Oak, but not really, like, a brother. Right. Um, so, he, he, she rightly says, like, he could just decide to throw it all out and stick by the one remaining family member that he has left. I think that's a fair um, point. I'm wondering if she, the situations were reversed and she had to make that decision, if, given everything else, she would choose to stand by Taryn's side or not given everything because one of the things that i found really interesting going back to what you were talking about the guilt that she was feeling over like betraying maddock and like having to deal with that she didn't even really seem to care about falling out with her twin sister but she cares more about how a person she's not related to even though it's like found family kind of like her adopted dad how he was thinking of her and the trust he had in her. She's not thinking at all about that relationship with her sister and how to repair it. She's only thinking about how it's going to affect her relationship with Maddox. And that feels a little strange to me. Like, especially having, I don't know, maybe this is just me having, like, family members that are twins. Normally you have a much stronger bond that, like, fighting with a boy would not cause as much of a fallout. So I'm wondering if she would in this particular like point in time she would 
stand up for Taryn or if Taryn would stand up for her. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that she does still care. I mean, obviously we know that she probably still cares about Taryn, but she's just like, she's been going through so much. Like the stuff with Locke happened in the middle of like everything else. So she has not had even a second to like sit down and really like process Process. everything that's happened, which I think is muddling her thoughts with Taryn. Like she's been so focused on Matic so far that like Taryn has just been like an afterthought that maybe now that she's living as we know in the epilogue living partially in the real world and partially in the in the, the fairy world like maybe she'll have time to figure things out but i think that i mean this could just be holly black writing for us but like she also notes how taryn is reacting a lot like she's clearly observing um her reactions like she's talking about shock and a little bit of disappointment from her and stuff like this so like she's checking out her sister's reactions and i think that kind of indicates that there's still something there she just hasn't she like with everything else she has not gotten there because she's terrible at processing her feelings she is a teenage girl yeah she is she is pretty terrible at processing her feelings okay that's that's fair i just i would like for them to make up or at least if they don't make up have something more interesting than fighting over such a piece of shit I know, I know, but like, yeah, I talked about it last podcast, teenage girls and their priority is completely out of whack, so, True. Uh, who knows, we'll never be in this situation, so we'll never know, but, <laughs> <laughs> not wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, what you, what you have? Well, I agreed with Jude that I also wanted to punch Locke in the face um, mm. when he was talking to her. His smug little grins that he was making, I just wanted to wipe them off his face. Uh, uh, the fact that he, I don't, I mean, and we don't know what Taryn told him, right? But the fact that he thought that the duel was about him just shows how much of a narcissist he is. Because Jude's right, like... Yep. Was he the catalyst for the fight? Yes. Does the fight have anything to do with him? Not one bit. No. It's about Jude's honor and her familial relationships and whether or not she can trust her sister. Like, that has nothing to do with Locke. If it was over, like, I don't know, if Jude was growing a very special flower and Taryn picked the flower before it was ready, Jude would have fought her over that, too, probably. Locke is not the actual subject matter of the fight, and his narcissism just irritates me. Um, I do love that Cardin is, every time he, like, steps in to rescue her from Locke, he always does it with super dry, dark humor. And it just makes me smile. Um, I, I am starting to really love that about him. Um, like when he comes in and he's like, "Ugh, these dull conversations about my head being on a spike." <laughs> like I can just imagine him saying that. And I also appreciate how just like, which is weird, but like how thoughtful he's being about the specific way he's choosing to engage with her because he can tell that something's wrong and he's trying to like shock yes, her back to her normal a really self. Good point. Because Where like he's he- like he's like, "You look hideous tonight." She's like, "Excuse me." <laughs> 
Right. And it's like he's trying to shock her into being alert, like refocus back on the plan. Get your brain off of this idiot man. Um, yes. And it's like a weirdly sweet moment. Um, and then I don't know why, but, like, the fact that she says that she'll never be used to her name on his lips made me swoon. I don't know why, but it did. I thought that was, like, <laughs> my little enemies to lovers babies. They're so adorable. I feel like authors love to make, like, a big deal out of lovers saying their other partner's name. Like, I don't, but I've never, maybe this is just me and my lack of experience, but, like, I have never had a moment where I'm, like, oh, my God, he said my name like that. I'm over the moon. Like, I don't know. It just feels so, like, that is book romance. It's not real-life romance. Do I appreciate it? Yes. Would I like that to happen to me where I'm, like, my name sounds beautiful on his lips? Sure. But, like, (laughs) is that going to happen? No. (laughs) I think it depends because, like, a lot of times, like, if you're in a relationship with someone who uses your name all the time, it's not going to feel that monumental. But if you're in a relationship mm. where either you use a lot of pet names or you're just like, hey, can you give me this? Hey, well, like, it's very tangential in, like, how you refer to one another. Um, then the moment that they do say your name, especially if it's in, like, a sweet moment or, like, a romantic moment, it feels more powerful almost. Because we know, like, names have power. And, like, I I love my name. I think my name's really pretty. People don't really refer to me my, by my name all that much. Because you don't typically refer mm. to people by their name in, like, one-on-one conversation. Um, so, like, when I'm dating someone and they say my name, like, in a particular moment, I always really enjoy it. I don't know. Maybe. I think it depends on the situation, too. Like, I've read some books where especially when people are going by fake names and then they like hate being called by the name and they're like call me by my real name (laughs) true that's probably true then the trope works better right um here not so much but i still love it for jude because all those little (laughs) things that like put her back in tune with Carden, i love them I don't like using twin similarities as a plot device with, like, the ghost throwing the crown to Tarn, or Taryn, that annoyed me a little bit, but I get it. There's twins in the story. They're going to have to do that throughout this book series. It just annoyed me a little bit, because, like, you would think the spy would know what Jude was wearing, and her and Taryn are not wearing the same clothing, but whatever, it's fine. Um, Let's see what else. Locke looking at Jude like she was a piece of meat made me very uncomfortable. Yeah. And, oh, one thing I'm generally confused about in this whole chapter, the logistics. Like, I I need someone to draw me, like, a stop motion, like, map of what happened <laughs> and where everyone really was. Because, like, it seemed to me like Jude was on the other side of the room from Taryn how did she get over to Taryn they don't even explain her moving over they said she took a couple of steps and then all of a sudden she was there and I was like wait what (laughs) yeah I don't fully understand either (laughs) I'm I'm very lost but um I would like to see it visually so I can like understand the actual logistics of everything um 
And also, everyone can hear her talking to Taryn. Like, she's in a room with a bunch of fairies that probably have very good hearing. And she's just, like, having a casual conversation with Taryn. Like, give me the crown. It'll be chill. It's all good. Like, why are the two humans being allowed to decide what to do with the crown? That feels unrealistic. Mm-hmm. That makes no sense. They're controlling the crown, though. <laughs> And then how does no one notice that June just lets Oak hold it? Like, I don't know. I Because it's chaos. We can't even keep up with it. I doubt the people that are actually there are going to keep up with it. Royden's keeping up with everything. Well, Robin has a special thing going on. <laughs> <laughs> but I, so as you know, I take my notes as I'm reading, not at the end. Um, so I... As soon as she gave Oak the crown to hold, I was like, oh, fuck. She's <laughs> crowning Cardin King. God damn it. Jude, don't do this. But it was so obvious. Like, if Oak's holding on to the crown, he's going to be the one to do the crowning, not the one to be crowned. Yeah. Like, that's obvious. Who's going to notice a little boy holding a crown when everything else is happening at the same time? I feel like there are at least a couple of people who the crown is their top priority. Because if it goes missing, you'll never have another high king. You gotta have eyes on the crown. <laughs> it's important. I, I, I don't know. I just... It was really obvious what Jude was doing. And I, I think the way... And this is... I'm not trying to shit on Holly Black. But just like the way that it was all written was just not clever. Like, it was too chaotic, too clear what was happening. The only person that didn't know was Cardin, but it was still, like, so obvious what was going on. And then Jude, of course, has this little mind control thing over Cardin, so she can make him do whatever she wants. And I'm just like, I don't like the way any of this has been set up. It made me very angry. I think... It's also because we're kind of spoiled with other YA books that do these kinds of chaotic scenes really, really well. Like, I will give it to Holly Black that it's a really hard, I think, to write a scene where there's a lot of movement and a lot of moving parts that you have to remember. Um, and we get, like, Arp Quang and we get Lee Verdugo, who I think write those kinds of scenes really, really well. It's hard. But yeah, it's really confusing at the same time in this particular instance. Yeah, that's fair. Fair. Still very confusing. <laughs> um, I also was just like so flabbergasted the entire chapter because you told me another betrayal was coming. I just didn't think it was going to be the main character doing the betraying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought someone else was going to be betraying Jude, and I'm just like, Jude's out here betraying herself. Like, girl, what are you doing? Yeah. And Cardin was nothing but nice to her the entire time that they were working together, and he trusted her. Oh, behind his back. And she went behind At the end bed. of the day, I mean, I'm going to loop in what I was saying earlier. Family comes first, and Oak is her family, and she wants to protect Oak. Yeah, but again, Oak is not her family. <laughs> They're not related. Yeah, but, but he's her found family. Yeah. 
<laughs> I get it, but I also am mad about it. I am both of these things because, like, I, she still could have crowned Oak and taken him. True. Like, the, that could have still been an option. That was always supposed to be the option. I don't understand why they went against it. Because, like, everyone now still knows Oak is a member of the royal family. They could still come and try to find him. Like, the, I don't actually know how safe it's making him. But maybe they don't care. Fine. I doubt that, but maybe they don't care. I also know that, like, Roybin's probably going to have eyes on him. In the mortal realm, because mortal uh, Roybin has ties to the mortal realm. He has people that like live in the mortal realm, and I know this because it's not a spoiler. I didn't see a spoiler. The Barnes and Noble version of the book comes with a bonus story at the end, um, where you get to read about like the two coronations, basically, um, from Kay's his consort's point of view. And, like, listen to her living in Manhattan and, like, the little store that she runs with her fairy friends there. Ah. It's very cute. <laughs> if you ever want to read it, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know how safe he's actually going to be. Did And did you tell Cardin that she made a deal with Roybin on behalf of the crown? Um, I don't think so, no. Oh, he's going to be pissed. Yeah. <laughs> when that favor gets yeah. called. Yeah. That's not going to be pretty. Um, I also just thought that when Cardin's like, I have a gift for you, too, Jude. Uh, it just reminds me of how much fun I used to have when I was, like, learning German. And I learned that gift meant poison. <laughs> In German, I was like, he's got a German gift for Jude. <laughs> <laughs> the other kind of gift. Except poison won't work on her because she's built yeah. up a <laughs> But he doesn't fully know that, probably. Uh, and the nickname. I love this nickname. The Queen. I love it uh, because clearly the spies can tell that there's something going on with her and Cardin. So I obvious. took it more, I will say, I took it less having to do with Cardin, though, and more having to do with her controlling everything. Because it's like in chess. You, the queen has the most control. The king is basically just, he's like a pawn in his own right. He's just mm-hmm. a, like a figure. You get the king and it's over, but the queen is the one who gets all the moves. Right. And that's very true, but she's also, like... She can't have that power without the ties to Cardin. True. So it's still back to her ties to Cardin. And I think, yes, it's about the power. But I also have faith that, to some extent, they see a little bit of what's going on with her and Cardin. From, like, an objective third-party outside observer who isn't as caught in their feelings as they are. Uh, I had one other, um, not, what's a prediction? Another prediction thought based off of her nickname. Because now her nickname is the Queen, but she doesn't actually have a title, so she could be the Queen of Nothing. (gasps) Oh my god. 
Wish. Interesting prediction. I don't know if that's a prediction, really, but yeah, interesting <laughs> thought. Well, we. St- I still am not fully convinced. I know who the Cruel Prince is. So yeah, <laughs> like I, th- I think it's Balakin, and then the Wicked King will be Cardin, and then Jude will be. The queen of I mean, I think that the the cruel prince is definitely Cardin, and it's just from Jude's really terrible judgment that we thought he was the cruel prince. When he's in fact just a prince with a lot of problems. Yeah, he's just got a lot of emotional problems. But then it feels like uh, it doesn't make sense, because then Cardin gets two book titles? Like, that seems like a lot. Yeah. But that just shows you how much Jude actually (laughs) thinks about him. So there's that. Um, As if Jude was naming these books and not Holly Black. (laughs) But that's that's all I had for for chapter 30. Anything else? What about the epilogue? Oh, the epilogue. Uh, I just, I had a feeling at some point we were going to be in a mall (laughs) randomly again. I think that I remember you talking about this a while back. So when they said Target, I was like, oh, where's Chantel? I was not disappointed. I was so... I think you were, like, waiting for, like, a Sears-type box yeah. door. But... I was. Like, as JCPenney's again. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'll do it with Target. I'm okay with that. I, I loved the whole start to the epilogue. Just, like, very casual shopping at Target after all of this craziness has just happened. Um, so I liked that. Though I am still holding out hope that... Milo, the random mortal boy that Jude tortured, will come back and play a part. Um, but you know what? Maybe what actually happened is he got turned into a goat and sent to Ravka. <laughs> okay. They're both named Milo, so. <laughs> Poor Milo. I, I could Milo potentially... is a interesting insert name for a very temporary character i guess just makes me want to watch atlantis again (laughs) milo that is the best milo hands down i feel like we've talked about this before atlantis (laughs) we love atlantis we're big atlantis fans (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah so i just loved the whole start Heather is so good and just great, and we don't yes. deserve her. None of us, including <laughs> Vivi, deserve her. She's uh, taking it in stride. She is. I I feel bad that Vivi won't be honest with her. I feel like she could take it. She seems very strong. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a whole world that she would be introduced into, but maybe... Yeah, but if, I mean, there's that one guy that, like, is sleeping with Severin, so if they can get that mortal to be into him, why can't Heather be into Vivi when she gets to stay in her own world? Yeah. Just, like, just a little different. It's fine. (laughs) She probably be like, Vivi, are you high? (laughs) Are you on drugs? (laughs) Please don't bring drugs into the apartment. My parents will kill us. (laughs) That is fair. Um, But she could show her how she turns leaves into money. So. True. There's lots of ways to prove it. (laughs) So true. love that. (laughs) Kaz Brecker would be on that. And he'd be like, oh, hell yeah. (laughs) 
It's so true. Kaz would love that. Oh my gosh, we need to stop making pop culture references. (laughs) We can never help it when it comes to Six of Crows. Uh, I am... I'm curious why... Like, what's going to happen with um, Nikasia and Cardin? Because I feel like Cardin will be into it if Nikasia, like, comes crawling back. Mm-hmm. Now that Cardin is in a position of actual power and she can get power again. And, I mean, I think she does care about him. Like, I, I do think she cares about him. But we know that Nikasia craves power. So I think she's going to try to sidle back up to him. But. Competition. June, but. You figure out your feelings fast. Cardin's going to realize that he's too in love with Jude to be with anyone oh. else. That's my Possibly. that's my prediction, and then Nikasia's gonna be sad, but we'll find her someone else. I'm sure there's got to be a ton of fairies that she can date. I don't know, maybe she can date Severin. Not the I mean the Alder King is a big step down from the High King, but it's they're still king of something, True. right? Maybe I don't know. Uh. I I liked Jude's advice to Oak, but I thought it was strange to be giving that kind of advice to a seven-year-old. The part where she was like, come back when it feels like it's the hard choice rather than the easy choice. How is a seven-year-old, how is a seven-year-old supposed to if interpret that? If anyone had told me that, I'd be like, what? Excuse me? Like, they can't process their feelings. Some days will feel hard. Some days will feel easy. That... We know that that's not going to work <laughs> as advice. Yeah. Although, as someone who is always, like, homesick, it, it makes sense, but she could have worded it in a way that's more child-friendly. <laughs> yes. Not a riddle. Because <laughs> it's yes, kind exactly. of like a little riddle. It is a and riddle. It's, uh, and he probably, as we know, Oak, who runs around wreaking havoc, does not care for riddles. <laughs> Definitely not. He seems like a very blunt little boy. Like, you need to be very straightforward with him. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how he interprets that, because I feel like he's going to come back way too soon. (laughs) Not necessarily by his choice, but... Yeah. The fact that Jude is also, like, she's seeing him, but, like, he's probably fully aware that she's going back to, like, sleep in his old home, basically. Like, generally, not the specific home. Um, right. probably doesn't help because he's just like why does she get to go and I don't that doesn't make any sense because that's like how a kid's mind works and why can't mom be here exactly. and dad and yeah Taryn and actually you know. why can't Oriana be there like what's holding her back from just moving in <laughs> not I, maybe Matic wants them to present like a unified front Maybe, but like she clearly cares about Oak. I feel like more than Matic. Yeah, so. but she's also scared of Matic. So true. If he's true. threatening her, maybe she's somehow easier to track than Oak is in the mortal world. Somehow. Maybe I don't know how, but like as well, an adult, it also might depend on. Um, and this is complete conjecture because we don't know a lot about the magic system in this world. But I'm 
I, I feel like they maybe briefly described Oriana, but she might take more glamouring to look human than Oak does. Because for Oak, you just yes. have to hide his um, his yes. horns. Like, that's or not a big horns. magic amount. Yeah. But if Oriana has to, like, glamour her entire appearance to fit into the mortal realm, A, that's probably uncomfortable. Like, that, I'm sure that doesn't feel super great. And and to like be confused by what you look like in a mirror and b if you're using a larger amount of magic to your point it might be easier to track you yeah in a place where there is no magic so or it's like a small little blip of covering horns maybe not won't be noticeable but who knows um i (laughs) jude's Jude's um very weird flex when she was like mm, I want to kneel in front of Cardin and have him touch his, my head with his rings I'm like that's a yeah. weird inclination like why is that where your brain goes girl it doesn't yeah. even make sense like that's now what's going on right now she's having she she I want her to go to therapy so badly. <laughs> She, like, clearly has feelings about and for Cardin, and she's just misinterpreting and spitting them out completely wrong. Avoiding it completely. It's so bad. I, uh, I don't know. And I, I don't know about your thoughts on the ending, but it, it was kind of chilling. Like, not quite what I was expecting I think it does make sense given everything that's happened and how pissed Cardin is um but I don't think that he's making the decision to have her rule purely out of malice I think he wants to stay close to her (laughs) (laughs) interesting yeah I didn't get that vibe at all but But I think it's I think it's subconscious like he doesn't know that that's his ulterior motive yeah it's kind of, like, buried deep in his subconscious that he's just, like, you know, outwardly, the first level of thought is, well, I want to punish her because she's punishing me, and, like, I don't want this power, so I'm going to give her this power. But there are other ways to punish her and make sure that he doesn't have to rule. Like, he could give that opportunity to Nikasia. He could let Bela can do it. He There are a whole host of things that he could do, but instead he's making Jude his pseudo-queen, and I think he's doing that to keep her close. Hmm. Okay. I did, though, like, generally expect Cardin to not want it. And so, like, making Jude <laughs> do it makes sense. And, yeah. you know, all good rulers need good vassals and ministers surrounding them to make good decisions for them. Is Jude one of those? Hell no. No. Not even close. <laughs> She has the completely wrong morals for this position. <laughs> I don't even know, like, at this point, like, you could make the argument she was doing it for Oak and for her to assert power. But she has gotten that power, so she should be, you know, satisfied. And she has given the power to Cardin to keep Oak safe, so that should be satisfied. So what is left for her? Question mark. I don't think she, she doesn't really like the courtly ways and like the intrigue of like dealing with all of these different people. She just wanted to be safe. And yeah, yeah it'll be interesting to see if she can tone down her uh, 
feralness to be able to <laughs> actually She's lead. such a mess. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, God. She's going to have to make friends. In order to lead properly, <laughs> you have to make friends. And she can't do that. Like, imagine her trying to be friendly with Roybin or someone. No, it's not going to happen. And I don't even think it's that hard to be friendly with Roybin. He seems pretty chill. I know, and she's probably still going to struggle. <laughs> Girl. Yeah, pretty. She can't even make friends with her own twin. That Seriously. should tell you something. <laughs> oh, God. I think we'll know that she's learned the skill set when she's able to make friends with Nikasia. Yes. that would, That's a pretty good indicator, and I like that indicator. Is Which it going to happen soon? No. Not even close. <laughs> But I would like for them to be friends. That would make me happy inside. I mean, because seriously, the only friends that she really has right now are the other spies. And that's not really friends. It's like work people. and <laughs> They're colleagues. I can count on my hand the amount of people that are my friends from work. So I can count on two hands, I think. I have a lot well, of I feel like you work. have a very lucky situation. I didn't have a lucky situation. <laughs> That's true. I also, like, force them to be my friends. Um, I, like, insert myself into their lives until they can't get rid of me. So. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Paulina. <laughs> I mean, I want to make friends with my coworkers. Does Jude want to make friends with the coworkers? <laughs> she views them as, like, like opportunities. Yeah. Yeah. Stepping stones. So, yeah. She's, oh. Jude, 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 Jude. And that's all I had for the epilogue. Did you have anything else? I did not. All right, should we get into pop culture? Pop culture. Yes. What do you got for chapter 30? I have a couple things, and they're both on the same exact thing. Okay. Um, when Jude is, like, getting approached by Locke, and she's like, what the hell does Locke want right now? Because it's just, like, the whole... The way he approaches her when she's, like, her mind is completely somewhere else. Like, she's worried about what happened with that, what's going to happen in a couple seconds, and here's Locke getting in her way, and she's like, I don't have time to worry about this. This is not what's on my mind right now. That reminded me of a couple things. The first one was in What a Girl Wants uh, with Amanda Bynes' character, um, and I think his name was Armistead or something. Yeah! Like, ridiculous. And, like, Armistead keeps just in- interjecting into every scene that she's in, like, well, every scene, every party that she's at where mm-hmm. he is. And he's like, hello. She's like, I really do not care. Please go away. But he's still there. Like, it reminded me so much of Locke in that one instance. I um, love that comparison. Because <laughs> he he's Armistead. He's just as full of himself. <laughs> yes. And then another thing that reminded me of is this movie called Debs, D-E-B-S, which, great movie, early 2000s movie that, like, turns all of the stereotypes on their head. But there's, so it's basically a group of spies who are women, girls, like teenage girls, and uh, at the beginning of the movie, this girl, I think her name is Amy, breaks up with her boyfriend, and then they're on a mission sometime later. They're on a mission and they're hanging up in the rafters of like some fancy restaurant. Mm-hmm. And it turns out her boyfriend is on the kind of like boyish side of the spy business, whatever. So he's also in the rafters as it turns out because it's a double mission. Like the, the 
the girls, whatever their affiliation is, is on the, this mission, and the boys are also on this mission. And so he ropes down to her in the Raptors, and she's like, I don't have time for this. I am on a mission right now. <laughs> it reminded me of that again. <laughs> it's just so funny. And in general, there's also another movie that I 100% know this happens and I can't think of it if anyone knows please tell me where the character goes I don't have time to figure out your feelings right now where the guy like interrupts her and she's like on some mission to do something mm-hmm. um, if anyone knows what that's from I like know that verbatim but I just well that is a from. very vague statement so it I might know, be but I'm like pretty much positive it's like word for word or similar to that but yeah, that I don't know why that one particular instance with Block just gave me so much. Because <laughs> I think, like, it's so annoying. And, like, I can relate to it when you're, like, when you get approached by a guy and you're, like, I really don't care right now. Yeah. No, that is that is so true. I, I love that. Is that it? I know that, it, like, the, yeah, <laughs> that, that one quote is, like, on the tip of my tongue. I just don't know where it's from. Anyway, that's it for my, for me. Okay. Um, so when Jude at the beginning is like, Maddox should probably be asleep for an hour or passed out for an hour. Maybe I was like, oh, every time there's a time limit in a a book, I get so stressed out because I just think about the polyjuice potion and like Harry and Ron in the Slytherin common room, like turning back to themselves. (laughs) <laughs> when they're talking to Drake. <laughs> and I was like, no, 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 Maddox can't wake up. Maddox can't wake up. <laughs> so, yeah, um, time limits always make me think of Polyjuice mm-hmm. Potion, especially when it's, like, an hour specifically because that's the time limit for Polyjuice Potion. Um, there was an interesting comment that Balakin made about turning Jude into a fae, mm-hmm. which is not something that we've had any inclination could be possible at all in this world. I don't so, think even Jude knows. Yeah, that was very confusing to me, but um, and spoiler alert for Akatar, but um, that's a thing that happens at the end of the first book um, is Feyre, the main character, becomes a high fae after she dies. So she dies and then all of the high lords just happen to be in the same place and they all give her a little bit of each of their powers and because they all work together to do it, they make her into a high fae. Um, but it's this like really, really rare thing that's like never been done before. Like, oh my gosh, I can't, you know, they can't believe that they did that and it makes her this like way OP character because <laughs> now she is all of the signature moves of all of the most powerful fairies in the land. Um, But then, like, then the next book, they turn both of her sisters into fairies, and it's, like, easy. And I was like, wait, no, is this a thing that we can just do all the time now? Because this is bullshit. Um, So, yeah, I'm curious what it looks like in this world, if it ever even happens at all, to turn someone into a fae. Um, because that did not seem like something we were gonna be having that we were gonna be having in this world. That's just it's very Akatari to me. I'm hoping we don't. It felt a little Twilight to me. I didn't mention this before, but like, oh yeah, where where she's like, turn me into a vampire. <laughs> she's like, no. <laughs> Whereas this way, it's the opposite. They're like, yeah. we'll turn you into a fairy, and she's like, 
Uh, maybe not. <laughs> I don't trust you. You're sketchy, sir. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, the idea of the little mini fairies flying around during the dinner party and making the shadows dance just reminded me of Tinkerbell and Peter Pan. Mm. Just like imagery, very cute. Uh, and then I, when Cardin was talking about his head being on the end of a spike, I was just having visceral flashbacks to Ned Stark and seeing, and, and Joffrey making Sansa go look at Ned Stark's head on the spike. Oh, God. Because you know Maddox would have done that to Jude if Cardin's head was actually on a spike. <laughs> he would have the blood in his little red cap, so... Mm-hmm. He'd be like, look, your little fairy boyfriend didn't make it. This is why you shouldn't cross me, dude. <laughs> so I'm glad that that didn't happen. Uh, but that's all, I, that's all I had for chapter 30. Did you have anything for the epilogue? I had a couple things. Ooh, yes. Um, when Cardin, this is out of order, but when Cardin says he never wanted to become king... I immediately thought of, in season eight of Game of Thrones, Varys, when he's talking about Jon Snow. I think it's Varys. I could be right. I haven't rewatched season eight since it premiered, because I have I don't no blame desire you. <laughs> to watch it. But I'm pretty sure he says something about how maybe Jon Snow not wanting to rule is, in fact, therefore the correct ruler. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who doesn't crave power is the person who should be ruling, because they'll be fairer than somebody who wants power. Oh my god, that's been, like, the main plot line in Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Marvel. <laughs> uh, well, because, so one of the things, like, one of the reasons they picked Steve Rogers to be Captain America in, like, the one of the very, very first mm-hmm. movies is because he was not the kind of person that was going to, like, turn into a bully. He was the kind of person that was going to stand up to a bully. And he was going to want to, like, fight to protect his people just for the sake of protecting them, like, not to gain power or fame or notoriety or anything like that. So that's why they gave him the super soldier serum, because they thought his personality would be able to balance out all the negative, like, crazy side effects of it. Um, And then in Falcon and the Winter Soldier, they've been talking a lot about the super soldier serum and how, like, giving it to people with not thinking about personality you create supremacists even if you don't mean to because once they have that taste of power they continue to want to get more and more and more and build on that power it's the people that don't want to take the serum that are the ones that would be okay like steve mm-hmm. rogers so same idea. superheroes game of thrones same thing i mean is so my thing with Carton saying that is like it's immediately followed by him being like i'm lazy i don't want to do the work <laughs> But we've seen know. him do the work. Exactly. Like, it's in him. It, he just has to kind of pull it out and stop kind of relying on other people. And so mm-hmm. this is his first test is, like, is he going to step up and actually do the work? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and not rely on Jude because Jude is not <laughs> the right not ruler. That's not a good decision. Ferris would not approve of Jude. <laughs> not one bit. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing that I had was when they're talking about the leaves um, and turning them into money, it reminded me of, um, have we made this reference before? It reminded me of um, Spirited Away, where mm. the where No-Face turns 
like dirt or whatever into money gold for everybody at the the bathhouse um no so we haven't talked like, about that will the leaves soon turn into dirt instead I like of money that. i like it yeah interesting yeah i think the last time we made a leaves to gold reference we were talking about um the leprechaun gold from harry potter that's right yeah yeah true uh, still applies, but I like yours because I love Spirited Away. Uh, I just watched that recently, so that's why I thought of it. Fair. That's fair. Um, Vivi's unwillingness to share the truth with Heather this is dumb because I like Vivi and Heather a lot more than I like Jacob and Bella. But it reminded me of New Moon when, like, as soon as Jacob became the werewolf and he was, like, all angsty and panicky about like talking to Bella at all because he was scared he was gonna tell her and he didn't know how to tell her and he didn't want to like be real with her about the fact that he was a wolf (laughs) and he was so scared even though like she would have been totally as we know she was totally chill with it because like she's already dated a vampire like it's fine (laughs) Heather would be fine (laughs) Uh, and then when Jude is meeting Carden in the Great Hall and it's empty except for the two of them, it reminded me of a lot of the conversations between Uther and Arthur in, like, their big throne room when it was just the two of them, like, hashing it out about something and Uther was making bad calls all the time. <laughs> that comparison. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jude, please fix yourself. Please. <laughs> we don't want that for you. No, we do not. But it just, the the setting of it felt very reminiscent. I don't think yes. she's as bad as Uther yet. I hope not. <laughs> Uther was not a great character. No, no, he's a very bad man. Uh, Okay, and then... I'm going to try to do this without being too spoilery, so bear with me. And it's kind of a different vibe, like, role reversal sort of, but between Cardin and Jude and, like, Cardin just wanting to, like, go off and do his own thing and not really wanting the burden of having to rule, Jude not really wanting it either, but being like, why the hell won't you just step up and, like, do it? Um, It's giving me hints of Nikolai and Zoya, from King of Scars and Rule of Wolves because in a lot of ways he's constantly saying that she would be a great queen and that like he wishes she would be the one ruling instead so he could go off and be Stormhund and like go be a privateer and do his own thing and like not have to deal with the country Mm -hmm. um and part of her wants the power but she holds herself back because she knows she's better on the sidelines playing a different game than what like the normal ruler has to play so like she's the general of his army jude's a spy they kind of want to stay on the sidelines they don't want to be center of attention um and then the people that are actually king are like but wait i want to be on the sidelines can you do it please (laughs) So, yeah, I was getting Nikolai and, and Zoya vibes. Though I think I prefer Nikolai and Zoya to Jude and Carmen. At least Zoya has some, uh, she's aware. She's self-aware. Jude's yeah. not self-aware. Not one bit. Not even close. <laughs> but, yeah, that's that's all I had. Nice. Yep. So, 
MVPs. MVPs. I think it's my turn this week. It is. I am giving my MVP... Hmm. I keep going back and forth. I think I'm going to give it to Carden. Okay. Yeah. Because of what happens at the end of chapter 30, where he could have turned on Jude and just gotten so raging mad at her because, like, he would be justified. He was lied to, to his face. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not a light burden that he is taking on with the kingship. Like, that is a lot to take on for a teenage boy. Would it have been more for Oak? Yes. But, like, the whole plan was set. In the, he trusted in the plan. He trusted jude which is not an easy thing for a prince to do and she went behind his back and just did her own thing without telling him at all and like didn't even like the thing is with this too is that she didn't even like drop like a feeler like hey like what would happen if you were king (laughs) she was like i don't care i'm doing my own thing so he had absolutely no reason to believe that this was going to happen and he took it very well <laughs> he did he handled By it very well part, yeah yeah um and then in the epilogue being like listen like this is your thing i don't know what the heck you want me to do but whatever so just make me your puppet puppet and yeah so that's why he's my mvp because i think that he could have been a completely different person and he didn't that i i love that i love that for Carden. good job Carden. <laughs> holding it together um Mine, I'm going to give it to Oak, just because he's the sweetest (laughs) little thing in both of these chapters. Like, him needing the reassurance that he's doing everything right, because he's so scared in front of, like, all of these Mm. people that he doesn't know. But he does everything, you know, granted, did he make the right call? No, but he didn't know any better. Um, but he did everything exactly as Vivi taught him how to do it. Like, he followed everything his big sisters told him to do. And his naivete and, like, just trust in his family is so endearing and adorable. And, like, I remember, you know, that, like, child, like, innocence and, like, being able to just, like, trust the people around you and being carefree and easy and I also remember being seven and going into Target and trying to see if I could sneak 500 <laughs> types of candy into the shopping cart. And I just thought, I don't know, everything about Oak in these chapters was so cute. And we don't get enough time with yeah. him normally. Um, so it was nice to kind of, like, round out the story with him and just kind of get to see him be a happy kid. Because everything else was so miserable and chaotic that, like, at least getting to see him be a happy kid was pleasant. I like that. Yep. Uh, Okay, so, wine review. So, I thought about this. I don't want to give it a comparison to a wine, because Mm. I feel like it's too messy, and wine generally isn't messy. (laughs) Like, it's, there's a reason that it's considered an art form, and it's Mm -hmm. right. So, I looked up high alcoholic cocktails. Mm. And this is the first one that came up, and I thought that was very interesting. I'm going to read the description of it before I give my review. Um, It's from kettleblackbars.com, and the drink is called Zombie. Oh, God. Um, (laughs) 
It says, the clue is in the name. The zombie was concocted in the 1930s by Don Beach, a restaurant owner in Hollywood. The drink was originally made from three different types of rum, lime juice, falernum, angostura bitters, pernod, grenadine, and Don's mix, quote-unquote, a combination of cinnamon syrup and grapefruit juice. The cocktail is so strong that Don the Beachcomber restaurants, which they're affiliated to, sorry, um, limit their customers to two zombies each per night. So it is high in alcohol, and it's listed higher than jungle juice, which is already high in alcohol. And those ingredients do not sound like they go together. Just like chapter three of the epilogue, which is like, when you read them back to back like we did, I was like, how did we go from here to flipping Target? Like, that was such a whiplash for me. I was like, whoa, okay, I don't remember that. Um, I would give it a 7 out of 10 because I think I agree with you. It's very confusing. I think it's a pivotal part of the plot, which is why I'm not giving it lower like both of them Mm -hmm. i think are really really important in chapter 30 specifically what happens but in the epilogue how it's setting up for the next book with carden and jude's relationship yes um it's a just a mix though of a lot of things going on at once it doesn't make any sense at all and you're just kind of left feeling like what just happened yep so yeah that's my wine review (laughs) 100 percent. i love that um can i make another suggestion for another cocktail that i think makes sense given what you were talking about between the flip between the two chapters a pickleback oh i don't know what a pickleback is what is that how have i never made you drink a pickleback in like all these years of friendship so (laughs) a pickleback is a very new york specific drink um there are like bars in the lower east side where you can like go and they have like a whole menu of different kinds of picklebacks the standard one um which is not the one i would compare this to but i'll explain the standard one first the standard one is it's two shots you do a shot of whiskey it's like straight whiskey and then a shot of pickle juice. Oh, what? And, let, let me explain. It's science, I swear. So the, because alcohol is a very basic substance, right? In terms of like uh-huh. pH content, it's very basic. Mm-hmm. Pickle juice, because it's basically vinegar, is very acidic. And when you have something that's really base and something that's really acidic, it cancels out. So when you do the shot of whiskey and then you do the shot of pickle juice immediately, the pickle juice gets rid of the burn in your throat. Oh, interesting. I never would have thought of that. Mm -hmm. And so it'll work with any kind of alcohol. So what I'm particularly picturing for this one is a chipotle pickleback where you do a shot of tequila and then down it with some chipotle pickle juice. Oh my god. (laughs) <laughs> and you're just like a mess uh-huh. <laughs> okay we'll have to do that the next time i see you yes definitely <laughs> i can't imagine. i used to like literally go out to bars just to do pickleback shots <laughs> that's so funny i don't not that i'm trying to sound like ridiculous but i don't do a lot of chasers with like tequila shots in particular tequila is like the one alcohol shot that i can take but maybe something like vodka, which I don't, I'm, I have a bad experience with vodka, so. Yeah, I just don't do vodka shots. They're boring. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not into it. I, I mean, I don't normally do chase, I don't do shots. Really? <laughs> I'm <laughs> kidding. Like, do we ever do shots? 
No, we are not shop kind of people. But no. I like the experience of picklebacks because I love pickles. And so it's like a fun little like <laughs> so gimmicky funny. thing to go out. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. Uh, but what's yeah. your what's your whining rating? My whining rating. Um, you know, I'm gonna go I think pretty middle of the road. I'm gonna go to fi- a five out of ten. There's not a ton of like angst in this in these two mm-hmm. chapters, but Jude just annoys me so much that like <laughs> I can't give it a low score. You know what I mean? Because like every all of Cardin's complaining and like chastising of her makes perfect sense, and he is completely right and valid to make the criticisms that he's making. Um, Oak's fear is also completely valid he's been yanked out of his home vivi being you know kind of like i don't want to tell heather is a little like all right i'm over it but it's not that big of a deal um and then there's too much chaos in the fake coronation sequence um to even have really a lot of like dialogue where angst could be shown but Jude is just so in her head about like the decisions that she's making and how she feels about them and we have to live with that dialogue and it was infuriating to me because like she could have made different decisions she made the choices and then just sits there and like sits with the choices and it's like I'm not your therapy Jude like I don't (laughs) I don't want this so I mean as I was saying earlier she irritated me a lot in these chapters so higher rating than there actually was angst um but yeah i'll go middle of the road five out of ten i like that yeah i support it (laughs) thank you (laughs) oh man and that oh my god i can't believe we've come to the end of the cruel prince the cruel prince we have one more episode we do well our next episode will be a wrap-up episode um so we'll have to figure out what that's gonna yeah TBD. Talk um, about the next book that we're gonna do. Oh yeah. And our our plans. We have big plans. We have so many big plans. I hope everyone's excited. Uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun. We may actually, you know, post about it on Instagram. Oh my god, I have to get on that. <laughs> oh damn, that's me. That's me. Call me out. Friendly oh, reminder. <laughs> Hey, well, now that I am the VP of Communications for the Master of Information Student Council, maybe I will actually get on this whole, like, social media thing again. It's been a minute. You're also the VP of Communications on this podcast? I basically am. (laughs) So, gotta get back in the groove. Come on. That's all good. Um, But, yeah, we'll we'll be sure to keep everyone posted on, on Instagram with what's coming next for all of our big, exciting plans. So follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can follow us at Unnecessary Angst Pod on both of those platforms. You can follow us on Twitter at UnAngstPod. And you can also email us. Um, email us thoughts about what our next book should be, is going to be, you know, whenever we decide to release it. Um, you can also just email us about books we should read, books that, you know, we've mentioned in pop culture references or pop culture references you've seen that we missed. Um, we'd love to hear from you. So you can email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. And with that, we're going to get up on out of here and go get some sleep. 
I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks so much for listening, everyone. And we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.